This is Wyman and Bob on Seattle Sports Station. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Streaming live on the Seattle Sports app and at seattlesports.com. Now, here are your hosts, Dave Wyman and Bob Stelton. Coming up at 5 o'clock today, we'll speak with John Morosi, talk some baseball with him, perhaps some hockey as well. He's our MLB and NHL analyst, so we love talking with him. That's at 5 o'clock. Stay tuned for that. You guys can text in throughout the show, 866-979-3776, powered by Mac and Jack's Brewing Company. Weigh in on whatever you guys are feeling feeling uh, saucy about out there, whatever you got an opinion on. Go ahead. Lay it on us. Uh, meanwhile, we talked to Colton Wong yesterday. We talked to Jerry DePoto. We got a chance to talk to a bunch of people. Uh, and then the news t- coming out, it was actually late last night, that uh, Dylan Moore has uh, signed a three-year deal with the Mariners, just under $9 million in total, which in baseball dollars is nothing. It's not, no big deal at all. You love you love the addition. You love his his presence on this team. He's a guy who can play infield, play outfield. He's, he's your utility guy. Yeah. And and he's important to what you want to get done out there. And sounds like he's going to be maybe a bigger part, you know, depending on how often they're facing, you know, righties, lefties appear. Because, you know, as we, we talked about with Colton Wong, he was coming off a very down year against lefties. Now he only had, I think, 80 at-bats against lefties last year. Yeah. So it's it was kind of an odd year just in terms of the number of times he's faced them. Uh, but the numbers were brutal last year. <clears throat> and we talked to Jerry about this off the air yesterday a bit. And... You look at you look at the numbers career wise. So versus right-handed pitchers in his career, Colton Wong, three thousand one hundred fourteen plate appearances. He's got a two sixty three average, a three forty one on base, four fourteen slug, seven fifty five OPS. Look at him versus left-handers now, decidedly fewer appearances, nine hundred and nineteen versus three thousand one hundred fourteen. So. Yeah. But career, 254 average, 310 on base, 344 slug, 654 OPS. So he's, you know, much fewer number, much smaller number of appearances. Average is roughly in the, you know, 263 to 254 on base, 341 to 310. Slugging, he, he, the extra base hits, the production, the power, that's on the right side. Yeah. So it's... You can you can look at it and say, well, yeah, he's he's lesser against left-handed pitching. He doesn't face it nearly as much. He's lesser, but it's it's not as night and day as it was made to sound when we were having that conversation. When I looked at it, I was like, okay, last year, yeah, he hit like one thirty-eight or something like that against lefties. It, it hasn't been the case through his whole career right. to, to the point where I'd go, you can't run him out there against lefties. You can't do it. I don't. I don't have that feeling about him. Is my point that yeah, maybe he's not gonna he's not gonna put the ball over the fence, but he's not a power guy to begin with. Yeah. And if his role is get on base, and and then maybe he's stealing, maybe he's creating, you know, wreaking havoc on the base paths, then why wouldn't you run him out there against lefties? He gets on base. Yeah. Well, and that that's something that you talked to Jerry about about you know with Winker. You know, yeah. getting him on on base, great, but he's not stealing. Yeah, he would just sit offense, out there. Wouldn't, but <laughs> yeah. So, well, and, and you know, you look at the it's extra base hits. It was uh, according to Son of Augustuson looked all this stuff up, but thirty five percent of all of his hits versus right handed pitchers, two hundred fifty one extra base hits, thirty four thirty five percent of his hits versus right handed pitchers, and then only forty two extra base hits, which is twenty percent. Versus left-handed pitchers. So, I mean, he's talking to more. And then, 
you know, he um, did a little bit more of a of a deep dive. Son of a Gustafson did basically with the WRC plus stuff, mm-hmm. you know, and that that it backs up kind of what what he was saying there. A hundred WRC plus is average, right? Yeah. And then you know, for every point higher, or lower than a hundred, you know, just it's a percent, you know, uh, better or worse as far as uh, you know, comparing pairing them to other uh, players in the league. So. Um, yeah, and so the WRC plus numbers versus right-handed pitchers for him uh, was 106, and this is career. Yeah. And versus left-handed pitchers, it's 80. Yeah. So, yeah, you're 20% less than the average and 6% more, obviously. So, uh, yeah, yeah, there's I mean, there's certainly different. a difference. There's But he's... I guess my point would be he's far from a liability against, except for I'm, I'm sort of removing last year as a bit of an aberration. I don't know what was going on. What was if it was his injury? We we talked about that. That it looked. I think Jerry said he had. You know, there was some sort of core thing that may have led to some of the issues with defense and where he was fielding the ball and things like that. So I'm kind of I'm kind of chucking last year when looking at his his numbers against lefties because that just seems so out of the ordinary. Yeah. I, my point being, yeah, he's he's certainly not the same, exactly the same righty versus lefty, but it's not. I don't look at it and go, well, why would you run him out there versus a lefty? Why would mm-hmm. you do that? Because it's going to be punitive. He doesn't get him. It's going to be an automatic out. That's not the case at all with him. Is is my point? And he sort of was sort of talked about that way. Yeah. Well, and the the other thing you you mentioned the stat already, but it's it's pretty alarming that you know versus right handed pitchers. 3,100, over 3,100 plate appearances and yeah. only 900 uh, versus lefties. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I think, I feel like this guy can, you know, and we'll see what, uh, you know, what happens as far as the, the shift and all that, who that really affects offensively. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we know what he thinks about it defensively. I thought it was interesting. But, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I feel a lot better about Colton Wong. Yeah, you know, and he's a two-time Gold Glover. As far as his defense goes, we're talking about offensive numbers, but you know, as far as the defense goes, and he, you know, I, I just I trust Perry Hill, even though Perry Hill doesn't want the credit. Uh, I feel like <laughs> he's, so it's all about Colton. He's going to get Colton Wong in here and get some things. And he even said that yesterday. He's like, "Yeah, I've got some things I need to clean up." Yeah. So because he had what fourteen errors last year, seventeen, seventeen, and yeah. and no, uh, the years before, I mean, twenty twenty don't don't really count that, but I think in eighteen or nineteen or was it nineteen and twenty when he was the Gold Glove. So um, he only had two. So yeah. yeah, I feel like they can they can do some damage with him. So yeah, it looks like and you know, it seemed like Jerry was pretty honest about who he is as far as a left-handed hitter, mm-hmm. you know, but um you know, they think they can they can turn that around a little bit. Yeah, and and you know, maybe maybe the platoon will be end up being a great thing. I mean, cuz Dylan Moore against righties, not great. Hit 204 against yeah. looking at last season, 204. Uh, his on base was good, three forty four, but he had a three ninety three on base versus lefties. So he's he's much more apt to get on base. He power wise same three home runs against each, but average wise and on base is lower against righties. So that's where Colton Wong would step in against lefties. You assume Dylan Moore would be the preferred choice, I guess. But uh, Colton Wong, if he's in there against a lefty, I'm not feeling like this is problematic. You know, to the point that he he's hit. I mean, if you look at it, I'm just looking at last year, but, you know, he's hit historically better against lefties than than it appears Dylan Moore has. Mm-hmm. And he's a left-handed hitter. Yeah. So it's it's kind of an – I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see how they balance that out. 
because Dylan Moore is a guy that, you know, the I'm looking at him, he hit 206 and 21 against lefties with a 316 on base. Six home runs. I mean, he's he's not he's not crushing lefties out there. So it's not like you've got a guy in Colton Wong who's mashing righties, but lefties he really struggles in, and and it's reverse for Dylan Moore. That's that's not exactly true either. Mm-hmm. Well, it'll be interesting to see how they how they work that and try to mitigate those uh, those weaknesses. But um, yeah, I'm I'm happy with uh, Dylan Moore. Has always been a guy I've. I've liked i I love Mm. those kinds of players that you know they'll do just a little bit of everything sam Haggerty, kind of the the same Mm -hmm. way and demo i think the other thing is uh, i think you know ryan roland smith was always really big on him and uh, i remember i asked him one time what is it you like about him he goes well mostly i like that he's a really good dude (laughs) (laughs) but uh but yeah i mean he's one of those guys that can come up in with uh clutch hits and clutch moments was it the red Sox where he hit that one to left field where uh, you know there was like a diving catch that almost was made and wasn't, and yeah, so I mean he's come up with some uh, some big numbers at uh, at the right time. Uh, six six one. Where's six six one? Where's that at? Good night. I, I don't idea. think I've seen that area code before. But the six six one saying you can't judge more on hitting, no consistent playing time. Well, that's all we've got to judge him on. I mean. What else can we look at? I'm just looking at what he's he's done in his career. And you're right; he's not he's not a guy who's who's uh, you know putting up a ton of at bats or getting a ton of time out there. But you know, you you look at just 2019. I was looking at it: 171 at bats versus righties, 76 versus lefties. That's you know, it was it was his his first year in the big league. So go to 21 because 20 was the the uh, pandemic year. So mm-hmm. it's only 60 games. Uh, in 21, 196 at-bats versus righties, 136 versus lefties. So it's 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 enough to kind of go on to get a sense of what his trend is. I don't know what he does over 162 games if he's playing in every game, but the numbers are pretty consistent each season in that, yeah, he's he's better against lefties, but not decidedly better. Yeah. You know, and and righties, he's he's kind of way off the mark of certainly where Colton Wong is. Six six one Bakersfield, by the way, and we get a lot of uh, listeners from the Valley. They call it down. Are, there. are we big in the Valley? We, we got Fresno. <laughs> I got uh, Seth from Fresno and uh, Bakersfield. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I told you my buddy uh, from Stanford, Kevin Richardson, who's the color analyst on the radio for the San Jose State Spartans. He's from uh, Shafter. He was the one that has Shafter. The, remember, I told you had the big belt buckle. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's, Shafter. Yeah, there's nothing, <laughs> nothing but tough guys from the valley. Okay, down there. nothing right. but tough guys. Well, we appreciate their input. Yeah. We, we're big in the valley. Uh, we we talked to uh, Todd Rosiak. Is that how you say his last name? He was he writes for the he covers the Brewers. He works for the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, and he was the guy we had talked to about Colton Wong. To, you know, hey, give us some insight. Tell us what was happening last year, and in his opinion. He said there's no really, you know, in terms of what was happening in the field or the plate last year, he doesn't feel like is a sign of things to come or he's a guy that's, you know, on the decline at all. He's still a very, very viable, very talented major league player. Um, you know, the, the majority of the errors that he committed last year were um, kind of on the bobble variety, you know, not fielding balls quite cleanly enough, um, fumbling exchanges on double play turns, that sort of thing. As far as the range went, up the middle and to his left, he was still really, really good, able to get the balls really, really well. And offensively, you know, he is now that he is away from St. Louis, they wanted him to hit the ball more on the ground and make use of his speed. He was able to swing a little bit harder, swing for the fences a little bit more, and able to tap into some of that power that he thought he had. 
So there you go. A little, little review there. Just talked about him bobbling the ball a bit here, you know, the, the transfer or what have you. So who knows? I mean, you know, after a couple of times like that, Dave, you, it probably gets in your head, you know, especially if you've been a guy that's a multiple time uh, winner of the gold glove yeah. and all of a sudden you're having a, you're having trouble just fielding the ball cleanly and getting that transfer down. Maybe you're getting a little tight out there and it started to compound a bit. Well, and then, you know, I think, uh, I mean, I hate to heap too much <laughs> pressure on poor Perry Hill about, oh, he can fix everything. He can do it. He's the he magician. He's going to work his sorcery out we'll, there. He's we'll a bring, wizard. We'll bring him in to coach uh, quarterbacks for the Seahawks. That's right. You know, he could do it, everything. But, you know, when you get just a couple of things said to you, and it's funny how, uh, you know, just as far as coaching goes, one of the things that stands out to me was Tom Catlin one time and you know he just he never really coached like technique and stuff and he's like you're just your hips are just too high you you need to get your hips down this play I want you to you know really think about that more than anything else and I went up and I hit the guard and he goes did you feel that I'm like yes I did it was great you know it's like getting a golf lesson so you know you just it's it's oftentimes it's just little things it's yeah. not a it's not a big deal. So, yeah, like you said for Colton Wong, I mean that's some of the stuff. I think when you get those errors, it's like stuff that you didn't when you were in eighth grade. Mm-hmm. But for whatever reason, obviously not doing it as fast and as well. But it's something that you've worked on your your whole career, and so hopefully that can get cleaned up. Yeah, and and I I don't know. Just hearing him speak, it just sounds like he gave you some confidence that all right, this is this is not going to be problematic. Like he he's just eager. He's fired up. He's worked with great infield coaches before. And and again, the secret secret weapon was his nickname, by the way, Jose Akendo. Oh yeah, for the for the uh, St. Louis Cardinals. But you know, he's revered like Perry Hill as one of the great uh, coaches out there. So he's he's got another great one here that you you feel like is going to be if there's anything anything in his game that needs to be cleaned up or anything he sees on film, it's going to be a quick, easy fix. I just feel like that with Perry. Maybe we're giving him, putting too much on him. Yeah, sorry, Perry. You're the man, though. You, <laughs> you are the man. The track record says that's what you do. Yeah. You're you're just a fielding wizard out there. So uh, what, what are you shaking your head at? Your guy? Yeah, we'll talk about it at 4.30. We're going to talk about the, the Pro Bowl thing, but Dave's guy's up. Jared Goff. Left goes left goes gonna see. There's your go. That's your boy. That's your Bob's boy. Bob's team and Dave's favorite player. Yeah, my fa- my favorite team. Yeah. They, I, I I was rooting for him. They became for that that hot minute I was rooting for him. Uh but yeah, they 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 were surprised. I I don't I don't dislike Goff by any stretch. Not certainly not to the level of venom that Dave Wyman has for him. <laughs> no, I lo- I, lo- I love him. He's a good kid. <laughs> he just doesn't know certain things that are very fundamental. Yeah, like, which way? Like he doesn't know the difference between clockwise and counterclockwise. You I think you don't think so? I don't think he does. <laughs> I don't think he does. He went to Cal, Bob. Is that are they dopey at Cal? Well, it's a little overrated. A little Is over it? on the uh, on the overrated side. It's supposed to be this, you know. Intellectual school. Aaron Rodgers went there. Yeah, oh, of course. Everybody that thinks and, they're smart. And he's super smart. No, I was telling this to Jake Curran that, um, is it Curran? Uh, he's from Cal. And I was mm-hmm. telling him how when I was in the league, like some of my best friends, Keith Cards, a guy named Tim Lucas, were both from Cal. I was Tim mate, uh, roommates with Tim Lucas on the road and everything. So, yeah, I don't, I don't care about the whole Cal Stanford. You know, rivalry, but I do like making fun of Jared Goff just for fun. <laughs> he had a great year, though, man. Did, you, yeah, he had a very good year. Did, yeah. Now, had that comment never happened about well, the sun? Yeah. If let's just if you're able to compartmentalize and just sort of remove that, 
you think you'd view him differently than you do now, just in terms of, hey, this guy's really good, or he's average, whatever your feeling is about him. How much is it colored by him saying that? Of course. It, it's <laughs> absolutely. You'd that, be singing his praises. Go, Tell that you what, matters. This kid's got an arm. That matters. This kid can make some throws. By the way, they're doing the, the target you know, competition. Yeah, and you know, I liked it when it was the tearaway. Like you hit and it goes oh, and through, it went the, through, yeah. through the paper. Now man. it's like a trampoline. Yeah, and now no, it looks like they've that's... got a like a he- it looks like a heavy bag, a punching bag. It does. It's going along the outfield up in the air, and they're hitting that. Yeah, which is it's kind of cool. It looks a little different. I think. By the way, I think he just outdid Geno Smith. Yeah, so. Geno had a rough rough go there, but yeah, it uh, didn't, didn't look. Right, but, I know, but you know, he, t- he throws a tight spiral. That's for sure. That's what we've heard. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the, the guy that dominated this before was Russell. Yeah. Russ was amazing uh, at that, you know, and that remember they had the one where it was like a bag that was motorized that was running up the sidelines. Yeah. And, and then there was, I think they called it the back shoulder or something like that. But I mean, he nailed those. He he was incredible. So, but you know, you got Derek Carr. We'll see uh, see what he does. I mean, is this kind of like the combine though? Like, are you going to think anything differently of a quarterback that goes in and just crushes the moving targets when there's no <laughs> there's no pass rush? Yeah, he's not getting hit. He's not wearing shoulder pads or a helmet or anything. And yeah, yeah. I, it's it's more entertaining. It's, it's interesting to see how accurate guys can or can't be. Yeah, in these in these moments where you don't have to fear being planted into the turf yeah you know so it is kind of an interesting gauge but you know who'd be good at this me with a snowball well i could i could sling the rock i haven't seen you throw a football i've seen you do the snowball out in the parking lot because you wanted to show me see bob i've been practicing look check out my arm (laughs) bob look at watch i was like a little kid dad dad watch this watch this (laughs) check out my accuracy I got this thing nailed. <laughs> so, yeah, it, it, that would be fun. I, I don't think I'd hit any of these targets. But well, it'd be, we'd have to be closer. Oh, yeah. These guys are, th- you know, throwing at 40, 50 yards. So. I think Derek Carr just crushed it, by the way. Yeah. And, and the, they ended on a throw that's a 10-point throw, and I don't think anybody's hit this yet. There's a 10-point there's target, like, a, I don't know how it's far away it is. Is it a bucket? Yeah. yeah you okay. Got to drop it in the bucket. Nobody, like a, nobody's gotten it mm. even close. It seems like, and it looks like the size of a garbage can. But it's like what forty five yards away? Is that what you yeah? Say? Yeah. It's, yep. So uh, this is the Pro Bowl, and I got to say, you're right about it. I mean, we talked about flag football, or I was you or Moyer that was like, they're playing touch football anyway. Yeah. The game became just such a ridiculous joke, and then you know, and then once again. As the the whole evolution of it, you know, going from back in the day when I played, there was, I think it was Neil Smith and Kevin Gogan got in a fight at the Pro Bowl. And like, Mm. I think one of them was waiting for the other one at the tunnel. Like they were going to fight. Yeah. And everybody kind of, you know, so that's how intense the Pro Bowl used to be. Then you get to the point where I don't know how many years ago, whenever Jimmy Graham was here, it was probably 2013, 14. Can't remember the name of the Buffalo linebacker, but he had been a journeyman. He'd been a guy who was in the league for 10 years, and then he makes the Pro Bowl. So mm-hmm. he's excited. Yeah. And so he drops back, and Jimmy Graham catches the ball, and he blows him up, and Jimmy Graham gets up and screams and yells at him. And I'm I, like, Ugh. I could almost understand Jimmy's reaction in that it is kind of the unspoken expectation out there. Like, we're not lighting each other up here. This is how it goes. So you're not really prepared for that, right? I, I could kind of. Should have been. I mean, if you're playing football, you look. But you're not. It's not football. Yeah, but that wasn't clearly determined. Like some guys, and like I said, 
He was fired up. Some guys are fired up. Some guys are like, okay, when I put the helmets on, helmet and, and shoulder pads on, there's only one way to play. There's mm-hmm. only one way. Otherwise, you're going to get hurt. You're going to get killed out there. And so, yeah, Jimmy Graham thought that uh, that guy was out of line. And here, here he was. I just felt sorry for him because he's getting screamed and yelled at. He, I'm sure he's a tough guy and can handle that. But still, you know, it was just like, yeah, I finally make it to the Pro Bowl. I make a big hit and... Now Jimmy Graham gets up and he's like, oh, "Yeah, well, I don't put, know. put a pink jersey on him or whatever that, or a red jersey. I mean, that uh, that you don't get hit." But that's where the whole thing started to break down. Yeah, well, I, I think that's what's leading to the eventuality of flags on quarterbacks. Yeah, I think that's what it's going to be, and then oh, way in the mean, future it'll yeah. be some sensor that says he was touched. Sensor went off. He was yeah. touched. You know, there's going to be there's going to be something out there like that because the rules are becoming so punitive and and and. I don't know that I agree with with Paul that they're going to now create a rule because of what happened to Purdy. Like you can't hit their arm. I mean that's no. that's the ball. The ball's right there. You've got to be able to hit the arm. So I I don't agree with that. I don't think they're going to now form a new rule to you got to protect the quarterback's arm. You can't you can't have that happen. No, I understand the knees. That makes sense. You you know, but it it just feels like it's trending to a point where it will yeah. be tackle football except for a quarterback who's in the pocket. You know, once he leaves the pocket and becomes a running back, okay, that's different. But if he's in the pocket and you're about to sack him, you, I sure you grab the not. flag. I sure hope not because, you know, that's where I think that, you know, like we talked about the DeMar Hamlin thing. Like that was really tragic and for a lot of reasons. But that really has, you know, out of that's one play, then it was just a, such a freak accident. Yeah. You know, and I, I kind of look at it the same way that like you lost two quarterbacks, two quarterbacks went down. I mean, how often does that happen? It doesn't happen that often. So, you know, I, I feel like if um, – the NFL, hopefully they don't overreact because that's what they do. They end up mm. overreacting. You know, the horse collar tackle was because of T.O. Yeah. I've seen one other injury with, uh, and it was in the history of the time I've been watching, and it was a Minnesota Viking running back who I can't even remember. And it was back like in the years when I played. That was a horse collar tackle that, that went wrong. But, you know, I, I think they overreact to things every single year. But and but this, you know, my point here is this is a steady thing that has gone from what used to be a really competitive, violent game to now all of a sudden we're playing flag football. Yeah. Yeah. And eventually maybe it's just gone. Like I said, when I sent you the, the article with Stokely's comments on there last night, just like, you know, what are we doing here? This guy's got two touchdowns and three interceptions on the season and has played four games or started four games, and he's a pro bowler. At that point, don't you just go, you know what, guys, let's just call it a day. It'll be an honorary. You'll be named to the team. We'll send you a plaque. Well, I'm assuming Maybe we have a dinner. Like a good thing a... to talk about next, actually. Oh, is that what yeah. we were talking about? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, let's talk about that next. We'll get deeper into this <laughs> coming up with Wyman and Bob. This is Seattle Sports Station on 710. Wyman and Bob. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. On Seattle Sports Station. Let's play catch with a water balloon instead of playing football, Bob. I'm saying it right now. I am much more entertained by this than I am by what the Pro Bowl has been for at least the last 15 years. You are not. Yes, the, the, the target competition or whatever the heck they called the first one where they're throwing the moving targets. The, uh, that's always been money. That's great. This one, this one I'm just curious about because I don't quite understand how you win or what, what's going on here. But uh, basically you've got... You've got the NFC going first where you've got players standing about 10 yards apart, right, facing yep. each other. Yes. 
and one guy is underhanding a water balloon to the other guy who's, again, about 10 yards away, and you're seeing some soft hands. Obviously, you have to catch it and not let the thing break. But you're seeing some of these big guys catching to some really soft hands out there. You can always tell the D linemen. They're the ones that just stick their hand up there and <laughs> lunge at it, and it breaks. Dave would be out there the with thing. his frying pan hands just swatting these things down. His instincts would, would kick in. softly catch it with one hand. <laughs> your instincts would kick in, and it'd bounce off your palms. But yeah, yeah. Get, If Sauce Gardner was playing, he would get a PBU yeah. on this. He would he would knock the balloon down. That's exactly right, and then we would all praise him. I didn't see Tariq. We uh, saw Quandre. Yeah, we saw Quandre back there not smiling. Um, of course. He's, uh, he he's in the dodgeball event. Oh, okay. Tariq is? Yeah. Yeah. So this, I'm, this is more curiosity. Like, all right, let's see what it's. What's it all about? We're going to see kick tack toe, which sounds interesting. Yeah, you know. And then what? What's what are the other events that they've got going on? Lefko, uh, epic dodgeball, epic this dodgeball. thing which is called lightning round. It's three well, parts. There, oh, there's a there's a longest drive, longest drive. Yeah, yeah. And uh, we just saw pre- precision it, passing. Now hang on. Oh, hang on. Those are Sunday. Kick tack toe is Sunday. Yeah. Sorry. Oh. Yeah, you have to out. wait. Yeah, spread, spread out, out over a few days. But isn't aren't the kickers going to dominate the long drive? Because they're all like these. Yeah, they're all the hardcore golfers, right? Isn't that generally the kickers that are the like ones? Quarterbacks that, too. Quarterbacks yeah. can play. Yeah, receive. I remember one year I went. I got to do some cool stuff when I was in the NFL. One of them we went to TPC uh, Sawgrass, mm-hmm. where they have the seventeenth, you know, aisle or island hole, whatever. And they flew us out there. First class, you know, three days of golf, put you up. I mean, it was really, it even paid you a little bit. It was really good. But one year I played with Paul Scanzi, who was a receiver from oh, University yeah. of Washington, uh, still works in the league. Really, he's a good golfer. I'm just okay. The next year was Cortez Kennedy. And Cortez had never swung a golf club before. <laughs> and so, but, you know, I could, I think it would be funny if they let some of these big guys that have never golfed before go out there and see if they could hit the ball at all. <laughs> because Tez had a, Tez had a hard time. Did he? Yeah. But figure if he made contact, it would go a long way. That's a big man. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, you know, you know that it's not all about that. You see these guys that are a buck. 50 hitting the ball like 350 yards so but um yeah one of the things really quick cortez had he went and bought some golf shoes which i don't know how he found any in the club that were like size 15 or whatever and then he was walking around and like he would turn and just tear up the greens <laughs> with his his He's golf spinning cleats. Yeah, he would pick his ball up and then just kind of turn, and, th- and these guys are trying to fix the greens and everything. <laughs> I'm like, he's a big man. You know? Those are large divots right there you got to yeah. replace. Here's what I'll say. I like that the NFL is trying something new, that they're responding to the fact that people don't love the Pro Bowl, and it, it's, it's historically gotten decent ratings. Like I know, I don't think it's well attended, but the ratings for the Pro Bowl, I remember we used to have this conversation with Clayton all the time. And he would he would spit out the ratings, and you'd be sitting there going, "Are you serious?" Yeah. And we always speculate, well, "All right, does somebody turn it on in the beginning, and then they get bored and they go walk around the house and do whatever they need to do around the house, and the game's just on, yeah. <laughs> or what?" Because the ratings were surprisingly good, the attendance was not. We'd see the the in in stadium attendance was not good, and most of the players would beg out of the game. There, everybody comes up with an injury injury, and the same is true this year. I mean, that's why. Huntley's in the game out there because so many others have elected to uh, bypass it. Well, one of the things I would say uh, already about this broadcast is that why is it inside? 
I mean, they're in Vegas. Uh, I, I think it's it just it's worse. Didn't it just snow in Vegas? Well, it's 59 degrees there right now. Is it? Okay. Or 61, I guess. So, you know, I feel like it's always much better outside. It's kind of hard to see. It's a little bit darker in there. But uh, anyway, I, yeah, I, I still think, I don't know, maybe I've been saying all week, is this the one thing the NFL can't do right? But, you know, maybe they maybe they end up getting decent ratings. It just goes to show you that people are just dying. To, to, to get anything that has to do with the NFL. It's an incredible brand. I'll be curious to see what the ratings are like for this stuff. Yeah. And then the ultimate, I guess, what, the flag football game is on Sunday? Is yeah, yes, you have a few more of these uh, skills competition events and then the seven-on-seven seven flag football game. Well, yeah, yeah and so we, we talked about, you know, Tyler Huntley being named as a, he's an alternate, you know, he's he's a backup quarterback for the Ravens who had two touchdowns this year and three interceptions and, I think started four games and then on on social media, Brandon Stokely said, what are we doing? Being a mm-hmm. pro bowler ain't what it once was. And even even uh, Derek Carr said, well, maybe this invitation got lost in the mail from past seasons. Talking about him being invited out there. He said, but I'm going back to the Pro Bowl number four. See you soon, Vegas. So even he was kind of like, uh, I didn't deserve it this year, but I guess I'm going. You yeah. Know? In other years, he deserved it more. He thought he did. That that always happens. You know, and you look at like uh, K.J. Wright finally got his comeuppance, but, you know, it was it took a couple of years. Like you look back at his stats the two years before that, he probably should have been. So, yeah. Hey, uh, but Stokely, uh, just to wrap it up, he, he said time to be done with the Pro Bowl. Yeah. You, you agree with that? No. Well, I mean, we'll see how the flag football thing goes. I mean, maybe you see some spectacular catches and throws, right? Yeah, maybe it, maybe it's entertaining, or maybe we eventually just get to a thing that, hey, it's a ceremony, it's a dinner, it's a, we're presenting all these guys with plaques or yeah. trophies or whatever the hell they do, or you know, they make an event of it, but it's not about them out there playing football. Well, I don't know. I will say, ahead, the Pro Bowl gave us one of the all-time great interviews. And actually, there's a Twitter account, This Day in Sports Clips. Is it, is it Peyton Manning? It is. 20 years ago today. About trust and confidence, uh, there was an article, a story, Mike Vanderjack and your team made some comments questioning maybe your passion and your and, and, and the personality of you and Tony Dungy as to being winners. Yeah, that's hard to believe, Lamb. Here we are. I'm out of my third Pro Bowl. I'm about to go in and throw a touchdown to Jerry Rice. We're honoring the Hall of Fame. We're talking about our idiot kicker who got liquored up and ran his mouth off. So, hey, Al, Dan, what has the sports world come to? We're talking about idiot kickers. He has ruined kickers for life. Akers and Vinatieri, these guys are great guys. They've been getting killed all week because our idiot ran his mouth. So when I get home, I'll deal with it. Tony and I talked about it. It's kind of funny, really, when you think about it. Uh, get in. If he is still a teammate, we'll deal with it. You know, that remains to be seen. But the sad thing is, Lynn, he's a good kicker. He's a good kicker, but he's an idiot. Hey, Dan, what do you think about this? Wow. You I forgot. didn't realize he went that hard. It's Mike Vanderjack, right? Yes, Vanderjack. And, uh, and I, I always remember, remember him calling him our idiot kicker who got liquored up and, yeah. and popped off. But I didn't realize he, he went after him so many times calling yeah. him, he's an idiot. He's an idiot. And if he's still on the team, wow. That's If you said that today, that would be front page news. there, And it was big news back then, too. But still, imagine a teammate saying that about another teammate today. He deserved it, man. Was he the kicker or the punter? He was a kicker. kicker. Okay. He was very good. He yeah. was a very good kicker. Yeah, actually, if you want to blame him for something, he missed a key field goal that would have beaten the Steelers the year they went and beat the Seahawks in the Super Bowl. So, oh, yeah, 
You but, can blame him for that. Too. Oh, yeah. But how, yeah, how about right. him saying if he's still on our team? Yeah. I mean, that's. I like the wow. idiot part. He th- threw that in there three or four times. <laughs> We're talking about our idiot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's awesome. our idiot. Oh. Yeah. But, uh,. <laughs> That was good. Good stuff. That was good. All right. Yesterday, we learned that Cal Raleigh and Russell Wilson have something in common. We'll hear about that when we sweep the dial. Coming up with Wyman and Bob, this is Seattle Sports Station on 710. Scanning the airwaves for the most interesting and entertaining stories of the day. Sweeping the dial. Every afternoon at 445 with Wyman and Bob. Now, this is something that will hopefully become less and less of an issue as MLB goes to its balanced schedule. We're going to see that this year where every team plays each other. But Colton Wong did address with you guys whether it will be an adjustment to playing in the American League. A lot of places that I'm, I'm uncertain with, but, you know, I'm excited with it. I, I've been to every stadium. You know, obviously just haven't played a bunch in every stadium. So it's cool to make the transition into a different league. Obviously, you know, a lot of pitchers that I haven't seen, but, you know, these pitchers haven't seen me either. You know, so it, it's, it's a give and a take in that situation, but I'm excited. It's going to be interesting to see, you know, how much that does change. And I think it's changed to an extent right now because you it seemed much more extreme in the past when somebody would play their whole career in one league, yeah. then they go to a new team in the other league, and they would struggle. I don't know if that's still a thing. I don't know. A perfect example might be A.J. Pollitt, new signing for the Seattle Mariners, who played his whole career in the National League, and then last year played in Chicago for the White Sox and had a really off year. Now is that because he's seeing pitchers he hasn't seen. He's playing in parks he's not familiar with. The batter's eye, everything is is foreign to him. I, I don't know. It, it feels like it, it became a very convenient excuse, and maybe it was valid for a number of years, but I don't know if it is anymore. I like his answer. <laughs> they haven't seen me either. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Do you think the batter's eye would make a big – I know it's different oh, everywhere. Yeah. yeah. You hear those guys talk about it all the time. I, I feel like that would be kind of a big deal for me. Very big deal for a lot of these guys. You hear them just talk about, what do you like about the stadium? What don't you like? And often they'll start with that. Like, I don't, I don't like the batter's eye or I love the batter's eye in that park. Or, you know, I just don't pick up the ball as well in that park because of the batter's eye. It's just, yeah, you hear those guys say it all the time. I think my second year or third year in the radio, I called it the, the pitcher's eye. <laughs> For the entire season. <laughs> For the entire season. Yeah. Well, at first I, I I messed it up, but then people got annoyed by that, so I kept doing it, of course. Of course you did. Yeah. The pitcher's eye. <laughs> Sweeping the dial. Yesterday during uh, the Mariners press conference, uh, Cal Raleigh said he went to a surgeon to get his thumb worked on, and this surgeon should sound familiar to Seahawks fans. I uh, had surgery down in L.A. with Dr. Chen, and uh, it went great. Training staff have been in touch with them. Feels like every single day this offseason, talking, talking through it, making sure everything's good. I went down to Arizona about two weeks ago and finishing up down there, and it's been great. You know, we still have ways to go as far as like you know rehab, strengthening, some little things here and there. But I caught my first bullpen yesterday. Caught Marco down in AZ. It's a million dollar uh, injury. Remember that? Uh, that was Forrest Gump. They said it was a million dollar wound but i never saw a penny of that <laughs> where he got shot in the buttocks yeah yeah the thumb man awesome we were comparing thumbs out there i was like yeah because I, I had mine dislocated and they have and you know there's a there's a uh tendon that mm-hmm. they have to like your body will metabolize mm-hmm. like a my torn my finger that doesn't fold over like for a long time i had in my the palm of my hand this big bump which was the the tendon and if you don't get it done like within a few days 
um, I think it's like 10, then it could, you know, be a make it problematic. But anyway, we were <laughs> comparing our uh, our thumb injuries and our surgeries and talking uh, about how medicine has advanced since your it, days. Well, he, he was like, yeah, what, what happened? I go, well, Cal, this was 35 years ago. So I'm sure yours is much better. Yours is older than he is. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's the same doctor, by the way, that worked on Russell Willen, Wilson's mallet finger. Oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Well, the reason why I call it a million dollar injury, just because it's not a knee, it's not a shoulder, it's not a lot of rehab. I mean, I think they give you a ball to squeeze, and that's pretty much it. That's the kind of rehab I'd prefer. That's pretty sweet. Sweeping the dial. Dan Graziano was on uh, Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin on ESPN Radio this morning, and he was kind of weighing whether a couple of teams made a mistake by not hiring Sean Payton. Do you think it was a mistake for the Cowboys or the Chargers not to go after Payton? Yes, I think he's a better coach than the than the coaches they have. But, you know, the, the Cowboys, we've discussed this a lot. The Cowboys coaching job is a very specific and different kind of situation. So I, I don't think that was ever really going to be a fit. And the Chargers, yeah, I mean, look, they, 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 they believe in Brandon Staley. Hmm. The Cowboys. Is he is he a better coach than McCarthy? Is he a better coach than Staley? I mean, I know they're they're not their seasons did not end the way they wanted them to. Is that are the coaches bad? Is it? I, don't so, know. I think McCarthy's a good coach. I don't know about Brandon Staley. I think he might be an example of a guy that is a a wizard with defense. Mm-hmm. You know, we saw this with Cliff Kingsbury. I mean, he was just a coach bra. That <laughs> right there was the first. Who was our Texas Tech guy down there again? Uh, wasn't Dan Horde. That was the Cincinnati guy. But Oh, uh, Brian Jensen. Brian Jensen yeah. was talking about how everybody called Cliff Kingsbury Coach Bruh, meaning he's running with the Huns, Bob. Attila the Hun, running with the Huns. Oh, you got can't your do history that. down. That's good. <laughs> Texture will be happy. <laughs> I can't believe I couldn't get Attila the Hun. Anyway, but uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know about Brandon Staley. I feel like he might find out that he's... Uh, well, by the numbers, he's a much better defensive coordinator. But he got his team to the playoffs. Yeah. This is the first time Chargers yeah. have been in a while. Well, maybe maybe he's a guy that, that just blossoms later. He's learning the tough lessons now. He'll go back to being a coordinator at some point and then reemerge as a head coach elsewhere with a bunch of lessons under his belt, perhaps. Yeah. You know, I, maybe he wasn't ready for it. Who right. knows? And I always give the example of Tom Catlin, second Tom Catlin reference. <laughs> but he had opportunities to be head coach, and he just – didn't want to it just wasn't him and i think you know that's that's kind of where kingsbury falls i mean i think he's an offensive wizard but not much of a head coach second tom catlin reference you made one earlier yeah about how he he just one little position change where he told me to lower my hips and when i hit the guard i felt it and he was like you feel that (laughs) Oh, oh that's right that's right okay it's almost as if you weren't here bob I just I've I've heard it. I, I I didn't know if it was today or yesterday. I'm, I'm not sure. Earlier I said in. something, and I'm like, did I say that yesterday? I can't remember <laughs> if it was on the radio or was, was I it even in talking the to you, <laughs> or maybe we texted it to each other, or maybe you were talking to somebody totally different. It wasn't I even was me. talking to somebody out in the hallway. <laughs> Doesn't matter. All right, coming up, uh, it was great to get back into baseball mode yesterday, and we'll continue with that theme. John Morosi will join us next year with Wyman and Bob. This is Seattle Sports Station on 710.